sweet sounds of Betamax. You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Come on in. Grab a seat. We're going to hang out. We're going to throw on some vinyls. We're going to listen to some new Retrowave. This is uh, one of the episodes in our new Retrowave series. Uh, I, as I've said on other episodes, I am incredibly proud to be a podcast that supports this scene. I have been a longtime fan of the synthwave, the retrowave vibe, and um, today's episode is a great one. We have one of the biggest acts that we have been playing on this show, uh, the most frequent songs. I mean, right off the bat, when I play Abyss on this show, everybody loves it. Everybody gets into the vibe, the guitar solo in it, the 80s guitar solo in it is so fucking good. Uh, I am talking about Betamax, and yes, uh, Nick from Betamax is on the show today. Um, this is the first time him and I have chatted. We've only been communicating for the past year or two years via email, so this is the first time that we've talked, and it's a great interview. If you are uh, fans of Betamax, and this is your first episode of In Love With The Process, welcome to the show. This is one of many episodes that we are doing this year on musicians, especially in this scene. Uh, we're trying to expand our uh, episodes into the music world, as well as into the food world and the chef world. I mean, let me be blatantly honest about it, into whatever the fuck I want to talk about. <laughs> You're at the mercy of my interests on this show. Now, uh, granted, you could suggest guests for the show by following me at Mike Petchy on Instagram or following the podcast at In Love With The Process POD on Instagram. So if there is a music act that you want to have on the show, if there is someone in this scene that you haven't heard me play that you think deserves um, the spotlight, send me links, send me suggestions. I will attempt to, to contact them and get them on the show. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Most of the time it does, though. Um, and uh, the best way to do that is through Instagram. Uh, big shout out to everybody who continues to write to me and ask to see 12KM. Yes, I am still trying to keep up with it. I was just on a podcast recently where the host of the show um, <laughs> was giving me shit because I didn't uh, respond to his DM. So... Uh, I was like, dude, it's not my fault. There's so many DMs. I'm trying to keep up with everybody. Those are the guys at the Decidedly podcast. Once that, I think they're supposed to release that in the next week, or maybe it's already released. I don't know when this episode comes out. Um, but uh, if you want to try to catch that show, um, I will put links for that on my Instagram page. It'll be on my wall somewhere. Um but uh, it's always fun going on other people's shows because I just get to be the guest. And being a podcast host, I know how hard it is to keep the show interesting. So I always have a good time going on someone else's show and giving them good stuff because it's the stuff that I want. So I would dare say I'm probably a better guest than I am a host on shows because I have been hosting for so long. Just pat myself on the back there. You know, no one cares, Mike. What the fuck? <laughs> Ah, so, um, yes, Betamax. Uh, if you guys haven't heard his stuff yet, uh, do yourself a favor right now and go check him out um, on Bandcamp. Uh, my favorite album from them is uh, Archaic Science. 
Uh, that one is by far my fave. But there are so many great Lost in a Dream World. We play tracks from all the time. Plug and play, interface, um, and some of his newer stuff that we're going to talk about on the show is phenomenal. Um, so strap yourselves in. Um, grab me a beer from the kitchen and bring over those bring over those noise canceling headphones. Yep, you know the deal. We're gonna crank some Betamax right now. So uh, take a moment, relax, take a deep breath, and let's disappear into the sonic landscape that is Betamax on the brand new episode of In Love with the Process. Thank you. 
Nick, thanks for being on the show. How are you, buddy? Hey, good, Mike. How are you? Doing all right, man. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on um, because uh, your music has been a favorite on our show uh, for the past year now, and everybody is just absolutely... Uh, every time I play something from Betamax, people are like, who's that? What's that track? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I appreciate the support and you uh, throwing my music out there and also having me on. Dude, uh, I mean, look, I, I, it's no secret that I'm a huge fanboy of, you know, the synthwave sound. And, uh, you know, I've talked about it on other episodes, uh, you know, the nostalgia that it brings. Um, but mm-hmm. there's just this sense of adventure that I feel when I play one of the Betamax tracks. It just takes me, obviously it takes me back to when I was a kid, even though I was a late 80s kid. Um, mm-hmm. But then also it just brings me back to all those movies, all that stuff that I loved growing up as a kid. Um, and then you throw that into the sort of dance world and uh, you have a recipe for, for a real good fucking meal. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm keeping you fed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> Um, so, so where are you calling me from? Where are you at these days? I'm located outside of uh, the Pittsburgh area. I'm pretty close to the Pittsburgh International Airport. Oh, cool, man. Um, yeah, it's, I'm like kind of a stone's throw away from uh, from the airport. So it's nice to, if I need to get away, I can be there in <laughs> 10 minutes and just hit be headed ride. out west or <laughs> wherever the hell I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Is there a big synthwave scene in Pittsburgh? Honestly, uh, no, I, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I've played a few shows here in, uh, in the city, and um, it's usually, you know, it's just not a huge demand for it, at least pre-COVID anyways. I don't know what the landscape is like now, but um, yeah, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of bleak here. <laughs> I have played a couple of, <laughs> I've played a couple of cool uh uh, uh, cool shows. Uh, this uh, this Hall- uh, they do a Halloween show mm-hmm. uh, event every year, and it's like in this like uh, it looks like a Tron tunnel. Oh, it's cool. this crazy light display uh, made by a local some local dude, and it's actually it's it's, it's what one show I will play here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that uh, yeah the Arcade High guys are from here. Uh, buddies, uh, they think they live a little bit more north of me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, yes, but uh, they're like, so. yeah, they're like pretty much the only other Pittsburgh people that I know that are still kind of involved with the scene. Well, how did you get, how'd you get into the scene to begin with? Like why, why this vibe for you for, as a musician? I think it was kind of more of um, just like by accident, really. Um, uh, one of my friends, uh, old friend of mine named Vince, uh, introduced me to uh, like acts like Miami Nights '84, mm-hmm. Laserhawk, Mitch Murder, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the old old school Rosa Corsa guys that kind of paved the path for the beginning of the genre. And uh, as well, I like I always liked FM Attack as well. Um, and I don't know, I was just like, I gotta make this. I gotta figure out a way to do this. I know how I know how to use a workstation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just maybe I need to get a synthesizer. And uh, I went out and bought uh, a Juno 60 uh, synthesizer, which I still have today. I still use it pretty regularly. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just kind of 
started experimenting and uh, kind of tried to make my own sound. And I would be the annoying guy on SoundCloud that would be, you know, <laughs> hitting people up like, hey, will you listen to my music, man? Will you listen to my music? Uh, like, I love your music. Um, you know, back when I had the spark in me in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah, I guess it sort of started there. And um, I guess my, uh, the, the major break was uh, in uh, 2015 with uh, Kung Fury uh, getting some placement in that that short film. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That was a, that's such a rad short film. lot of fun i'm uh, really got really very very fortunate to uh, have been part of that in some small way now did you have musical training before this stuff or were you just a computer nerd before this stuff like what was the origins of uh, music? I, I, I was actually i grew up as a drummer um i uh, used to be on several bands before i kind of um gave that up to focus on this project completely um, what kind I, of bands? What yeah. kind of bands were this, was this stuff? What kind of oh. music did you used to play? Um, so uh, <laughs> back in um, back in high school, um, we, we had a band called Runner Up here in Pittsburgh, and um, we actually had a pretty nice following just locally. Um, we used to have so much fun, like uh, renting out fire halls and <laughs> you know playing shows there and raising hell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we actually made a little bit of money too, um, you know, with door sales and, uh, we, we ended up going on the road for a, a little like brief stint, like a couple of weeks and now uh, the band just kind of fell apart at that point. And, um, at that point I just, just like, all right, well, uh, who else, who needs a drummer? And I drummed for a death metal band. I drummed for <laughs> a funk fusion band. Um, I drummed for a blues rock band. Um, and then my last, my last album I did, uh, playing drums was a hardcore punk band. Uh, and that was, I think that was, I think it was in 15 or 16, something like that. So mm-hmm. I have a pretty rich, rich background as far as like, I can actually play an instrument, you know, I can, <laughs> uh, I, I, but it, the funny thing is I haven't actually picked up a pair of drumsticks and I don't know how long I just, I get so wrapped up in this, you know, production, electronic production that uh, I kind of forgot about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny to me because whenever I'm hanging out or if I'm in a vinyl shop and I'm in sort of the electronic sort of retro wave section of a vinyl shop out here in Los Angeles, it's always me and other metal kids that are older (laughs) sort of (laughs) sorting through these bins. And it's like underneath the, it's like a guy wearing like, you know, a shadows fall t-shirt and then under his arm, Mm -hmm. he's got a Madonna album. (laughs) He's got, he's got like a Carpenter brood album. (laughs) I I just laugh at the transition from like some of the hardcore metal world into this, this genre. It's funny to me. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's definitely a strange, um, combination but i've seen it before um hell even when i played in that 
death metal band that I mentioned, I, uh, the, our guitar player like loved eighties music and, um, you know, electronic music and like beats and things like that. And, um, we were just this mean, like, uh, black metal gore grind fucking band. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, cool. We're going to, we're going to (laughs) blast, you know, we're going to blast like Daft Punk out of the, out of the van when we're rolling up to a show we didn't we really didn't give a fuck <laughs> that's the kind of shit that i because i i got started as a director doing music videos and so when mm-hmm. i when i got started started my old business partner was in uh blood for blood so we had access to like all the hardcore world and we did agnostic front and all this stuff and it was uh even in the metal world um, there was like this set of rules where it was like, okay, every guy's going to wear fucking black skinny jeans and a black t-shirt. Um, you know, we've got, a yeah. you know, maybe neon green overhead fluorescent lights. Cause everybody loves fight club and you just <laughs> felt fucking trapped. And I think the thing that was so refreshing about not only the nostalgic elements of this scene, but then also the fact that it was vibrant and neon colors and like, it was just, uh, a lot more creative visually. <laughs> oh, you know, definitely, definitely mixed out with some nostalgia and you know some familiar sounds from your from your childhood. And yes, it's, it's a nice it's a nice recipe for just good music and feel feeling good and a visual kind of you know mental representation of um, you know growing up. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So were you inspired by the the originators in this scene to get into this scene or were you inspired by outside sources are you like <laughs> are you like a 1980s workout tape nerd <laughs> uh, no not so much i was i would definitely say that i was inspired by the originators um and yeah just something about the music um it just something clicked with me and like i said i i, I was i was hell bent to make a record um, that represented this type of genre of music. Mm-hmm. And I felt it just felt really authentic, um, like the original, original stuff. And I was like, man, I've never heard anybody try to do this before. And this is, you know, 2011, yeah, uh, 2010, something like that. And I just couldn't stop playing it. I, I could not. It would just constantly repeat over and over again. And um yeah, I actually did my first album in my bedroom at my parents' house when I lived there when I was like, I don't know, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was even a, that was even kind of a stroke of accidental luck because I didn't uh, I didn't know how to plug. A, I, was, I was so archaic. I didn't know how to like get a synth to plug into uh, to an interface to, to get the interface to work with a computer, and it all just kind of <laughs> just fell into place very very weirdly. I don't know. And I put that album. Um, <clears throat> lost formats mm-hmm. out in uh at the um i believe the end of 
It's a great album, dude. We play, I play you, stuff man. from it all the time. It's a great album. Um, and, you know, as we continue, we'll get into further. Like, I'm a huge fan of the uh, Archaic Science album, and the Abyss track that you do has become, like, one of my favorite songs to play on the show. Like, every time I do it, it gets everybody pumped up. It's like <laughs> if I'm uh, interviewing guests live here in the space, I'm usually pumping that through mm-hmm. the headphones before we get the show started. Um, it's just, it's so, it's like reminiscent of like Blade Runner. It's reminiscent of like, you know, all like the background tracks from all the pop acts in the, in the eighties. It's just, it's mm-hmm. feel good. People smile. You feel like you're maybe on a, <laughs> on a pixelated <laughs> beach somewhere. You know, <laughs> It's super fucking rad, man. Super rad. Thank you, man. That's that's. Um, I'm glad you. That's actually a pretty random song to to like. Uh, I mean, not since it's random, but like, yep. I don't really hear a lot of people saying they're like, oh, they they like that song the best or anything. It's kind of like a. It's kind of all across the board, really. So it's interesting to hear oh, that dude, you like a, that, like like that song. It's a fave. Like when I start episodes with it, or if I bring it up in in the middle of an episode, people fucking love it, and. It, and, and I think it's kind of cool because when you when we had talked originally, you're like, yeah, you can use the tracks for the show, and you sent uh, a bunch of folders of tracks. And I'm listening to that stuff from a different perspective than I would l- be listening to it if I got it on vinyl or if I got it uh, on cassette or something. Because I'm going through and mm-hmm. listening to tracks from a production perspective, going, okay, what is a great intro for an episode? What's a great intro and outro for an episode? And I would just sort of go through all your tracks and look for songs that I felt placed in different places. This is a good outro. This is a good intro. And this track kept coming up. And it was Mm -hmm. just randomly kept coming up in it. And the next thing you know, it just becomes a favorite. So it's, I don't know if I was a, like, if I was just a regular buying fan from you, if I'd feel the same way. I just know that the process that I've gone through listening to your music, it has made that track awesome for me. That's that's that is awesome, man. I um, it, you know, it just I guess it fits your the vibe you're going for, and yeah, man. yeah, that's why I have you know plenty to choose from. That's uh, there's no sh- there's no um, you know lack of catalog, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very it's like an atmospheric track. Um, it's kind of got that '80s guitar, like that chorus out guitar going on so cool, uh, once you man. get in, into the song a little bit. And it's kind of like uh, down tempo. It's more it's more kind of chill, which is a lot of my other stuff's a lot more kind of more high energy, I guess yeah. you would say. Are you now for that track? Are you playing the guitar live or is this all digital? 
Um, no, I do all my, um, well, I'll say I do about 90% of my guitar parts just live. And then I, I have um, my one buddy that uh, helps me out with some of the more uh, difficult guitar parts. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's George. I just figured I'd um, name drop him. He's a good local friend of mine. He actually, um, him and I wrote uh, the album Lost in a Dream World together in uh, 2000. Was it? God, I can't remember. I'm getting so old. Uh, I think it was 19. <laughs> 19. We uh, we finished that up, and then we went and did a music video uh, for uh, that track, uh, "Never Sleep Again," with uh, my other buddy Vandal Moon out in San, uh, Santa Cruz. Yep. And that uh, it was just a lot of fun. Oh my God, I uh, I, I would never take that experience back. It was just you know or, you know, it was just just an awesome thing to be a part of doing a music video and yeah um, stuff like that but i got on a tangent there but yeah george shout out to george man he's um he's a good friend of mine and we still do right here and here and again or now and again together so very cool man and this you know this is such a subgenre and it, i mean it's become it's becoming a lot more popular and you've got I mean, I just talked about this on another episode, but you've got like acts like The Weeknd that is essentially doing this kind of production on most of his tracks. And then you've got shows mm-hmm. like uh, Stranger Things and then, you know, Nicholas Raffin and like all these different folks that are bringing this music to the limelight. But it never really has crossed, I guess, maybe the soundtrack for Drive, but it really hasn't sort of crossed into the limelight as its own thing. I mean, there's acts like Daft Punk and there are acts like Justice, but it seems like they're more club, nightclub, dance club kind of stuff. Um, is it difficult for you to be doing this as a career at this point? Like, are you doing this full time as a career? Are you doing? I assume that you must be doing something else for income at the same time, right? Because how how successful is the genre for you? It's yeah, you're right. I um I do I do have other I actually have two other jobs <laughs> right now, um but yeah it's it doesn't get a lot of exposure um and I just think you know getting your music out there uh, and noticed is is a really very difficult battle these days yeah. just because it's never been easier to make music which is that's a that's a beautiful thing but it's also like never been easier to release music and I just you know, it's, um, kind of a, you know, it's a good struggle. You really have to stay on top of it. You have to like release music every month. Um, Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you build your, it nowadays, you seems like you build your Spotify listener account and then you can get paid that way. But I mean, it doesn't really start paying off. I don't think until, you know, you're, you're hitting the million, million monthly listeners or something like that. Yeah. And then how much does it pay off on top of that? What is it like, you know, point zero zero one percent or some it's, bullshit it's it's not it's not very much i don't i don't even look at it anymore i forgot i because i don't i i just i really do like to use this project as is kind of just like a really like a passion kind of hobby yeah and do my best and not stress myself out kind of over over something i've always enjoyed and um you know but unfortunately i, I mean it doesn't the pay isn't great. Um, I don't even think the pay would be amazing for like the like the quote unquote top synthwave artists. I'm like somebody like the Midnight probably does pretty well because they have insane marketing and yeah, um, you know they do a lot of touring and they you know 
have quite a bit of listeners. I'm sure in that capacity, yeah, that's probably a, you could probably live off that comfortably, but uh, not so much, not so much with the, uh, you know, the uh, single, like uh, just independent kind of, kind of people like me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and I've talked to a few of the guys that, that are in the same boat and it seems like, you know, unless you're touring and unless you're selling like, you know, Buku merch, it's very hard to make an income with this stuff. There is the whole other avenue of, you know, uh, the dudes from Power Glove did a good job with it. There is the other avenue of like going into the video game world and into mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, like if your song gets licensed for a show on Netflix or something like that, there's definitely some income that can come through that. And there are a lot of filmmakers that listen to the show, man. So like, oh, um, yeah, there is realm. Do you, have you ever thought of doing scoring, like uh, movie scoring and stuff? Oh yeah, that's actually I. That's my kind of my kind of my end goal with this project. Um, I, I did uh, I did score a movie. Um, let's see, when was this? I guess this would have been 2018 or 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with um, my friend George, which I just mentioned. Um, we did a short film called The Remnant. Um, it was made um, uh, made in Toronto, and uh, I was uh, th- somebody reached out to me. Um, I believe it was um, Jeffrey Gross. Um, I think he was he was the he was the kind of the visionary. Him and this guy mm-hmm. uh, Navin were the visionaries b- behind this movie, and we took our time and we really uh, had a, we had an awesome time scoring this movie. Um, it's it's a short horror movie. Oh, so it's a uh, horror. It's, yeah, I was going to ask. <coughs> is it like and a retro um, horror? Is it like a like an eighties vibe kind of thing? Or n- no, it's not a retro horror movie. It's um, it's about this group of con artists that um, they go into uh, their what are they they're like um, spiritual. Uh, they like like take the ghosts and bad spirits out of um, out of your house. That's who they're posing as. <laughs> um, and they go in and they take this like priceless painting. And uh, a lot of bad things happen to them after after they uh, <laughs> they are speeding off in their van. We'll say, I'll leave it at that. But uh, it's a very cool, very cool movie. Um, they're they're they've been trying to make it a full length feature for a while now. Hopefully that um, comes to light because I'd love to score it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's always a long process. I'm in that boat with a bunch of projects. It's, it's always a long fucking process. But yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that um, you can watch that movie on uh, YouTube. It's on uh, Alter, and uh, yeah, I, it's. I think it was some some of my favorite work I've ever done for sure. Did you guys? And I'd love to do. I'd love to do more of it. Did you guys put out a soundtrack or anything for it? Or oh yeah, yeah, we have a, a soundtrack. Is uh, it's not on SoundCloud. I just did a. A uh, little independent thing on Bandcamp. I also made a cassette. Um, you can. I still have several copies of that as well. You can go over to my uh, Bandcamp and check that out. Are you do? Are you doing like vinyl releases? Or are you do? Are you doing cassette releases? Like, what are you doing lately? 
Um, lately, yeah, I um, I put out my first, my very first vinyl, and uh, I I don't know if this is even well known or not, but I started a label. Oh, cool. uh, it's called Perv- Perfect View Records. It's with a couple of my good friends. Um, one guy does a lot of design work. The other guy's got a silent. He's like a silent sort of partner. And um, yeah, I just um, I put out this album called Sarajevo uh, in 2020, mm-hmm. and it was it's a tribute to the 1984 Winter Olympics in um, <laughs> Bosnia. Why? So (laughs) all I can tell you is I was going through a very weird mental state at that point in my life because of being locked in my house and the whole, all the COVID rules. And uh, I don't know, I think I was just very depressed and I needed to convey that in a sort of way. And I'm also, it's the story is like actually very long about how, why I wrote that album, but uh, essentially it's, it's, come on, depressed. (laughs) Tell me. Yeah. So, um, and I'm holed up and, uh, you know, I, I'm really like listening to a lot of boards of Canada. I really, really, I've always loved boards of Canada. Um, I know that's kind of like a go-to for a lot of people, but, uh, I mean, I've been listening to them since I was probably like 20 and I've always find, found their music to really bring, bring out very, very like different moods Mm -hmm. and different feelings and like, I could just like if I'm driving and I like something like I'm in an area and I put that on and I'm just like, wow, this is like totally changing this experience for me. And um, I was like, oh, you know, that was another another type of album I really wanted to write. And so I did it through kind of this way. And um, so I, I'm a really big fan of architecture. Um, I live really close to um, Falling Water. I don't know if you no. uh, if you're familiar with with Falling Water. It's like Frank Lloyd Wright's masterpiece house um it's very very cool house it's like um, mid-century modern house but anyways people go there and they tour it and you know people come from all around the world like buses of people to come and walk through this house and and uh in pennsylvania here and uh so anyways I'm, i'm a big architecture fan and i found this really cool looking hotel and it was all bombed out like completely abandoned looked like it had been set on fire but it was like this crazy, brutalist, like crazy geometrical looking hotel. <laughs> and my first thought, thought is like, oh, that's definitely not in America. That's got to be like somewhere in like Russia or like, <laughs> right. you, know, you know, somewhere in like, you know, Europe, Western Europe. I don't know. And I le- learned about this hotel. I'm like, why is this like this? Why is this abandoned? Was this crazy looking? And then I just found out the story of the uh, why it was built, which was for that Olympic games in Sarajevo. Huh. And, um, and I was like, well, why isn't it, why is it destroyed? You know, why isn't it like being preserved? And I found out they had a war over there. It was like the Bosnian war from like 92 to 96. And it was right. pretty bad war. Unfortunately, a lot of people perished in that for preventable, preventable reasons, but, um, uh, seemingly anyways, but, uh, so I just got inspired by the story and like how, like the, like literally like a decade, less than a decade before that, all that devastation happened, they had like, they were celebrating the Olympics was there, yeah. you know, it was a big fanfare kind of a situation and it was a very, like a very happy time for those people. And then I had learned about the devastation. I was like, wow, what a, what a weird contrast. Yeah. So I, I like popped this cold war sound album out 
and uh yeah i just i don't know it was just something came over me i had to i had to do it and I, it felt right and i and it's one thing i did quite a bit of research on and it was really interested in learning about the whole ordeal dude i'm looking right as we're talking about it i'm actually looking at the uh <clears throat> the vinyl artwork and the design and it's awesome man talk about like <laughs> really cool <laughs> inserts of like the mm-hmm. uh of the olympic stuff really mm-hmm. cool man and the the design is fo- is fantastic i gotta get one of these the, the design is fantastic on this man thank you dude i uh so the um the cover and the like the the jacket of the record was designed it's it's based off of an actual photo uh, both actual mm-hmm. photos, but they were illustrated by my good friend, uh, Trina Hines. Shout out to her. She is super, super talented artist. She's actually, I think, out in L.A. right now doing probably animation sort of stuff. Um, but uh, she helped me do that. I'm very thankful for that. And then um, the insert part, like I actually bought all that stuff from Bosnia mm-hmm. and and I took it and I scanned all of it. And then I, I, re- I arranged the collage and uh, it's like all like very like authentic, like Olympic memorabilia, like pamphlets and stuff like that. And then the record itself is like looks like ice, like like like, like cracked yes. ice, like kind of like yes. a hockey rink. And uh, yeah, it's like I used all the same sort of like Helvetica font and like <laughs> I just tried to keep it like super like authentic to kind of like the aesthetics of the event and like the same colors like that orange and stuff and it's just it was a lot of fun to do man i really enjoyed that take a quick second i want to uh talk about the gear that we use on this show i want to talk about the equipment that i'm so excited about and uh, many of you listening are fans of music many of you listening are musicians yourselves uh what are you using for your computer to make music you guys have an old laptop that barely runs are you guys trying to uh 
add effects to tracks and then by the time you're done uh, the track doesn't play back or your system crashes all the time time to buy something better right time to get a bigger p for your computer uh, and it starts to get real fucking expensive when you use the big brands for this right I'm gonna say their name use an apple shit it starts to get really fucking pricey especially when you're a musician we talk about it as the show progresses today it's really hard to stay afloat to make income i highly suggest you build yourself a pc pcs are more affordable uh they're more uh upgradable um they run flawlessly and uh they exist in a competitive hardware marketplace so when something new comes on the market, the prices drop pretty quickly because there, there's another product that's coming out or a competitor's product that's coming out. Does that make sense? So if you're going to build yourself a PC, head on over to PugetSystems.com. There, it's a great resource for like what motherboards are working with specific uh, uh, graphics cards, what sound cards are working with specific motherboards. It's hard when you're building your own PC uh, trying to get hardware that all communicates with itself. And it's really difficult when you're looking for articles or YouTube videos because they're outdated so quickly. Uh, PugetSystems.com is a great resource for anybody that's building their own PC. Um, but if you want them to build you a PC, I cannot recommend it enough. Their customer service is amazing. They know you by name. When you get your PC in the mail, they send you a binder that's full of not only... Uh, predator vision sort of heat wave scans on how your machine's running, but it also lists everything that's in it, everything that you need, how it's been tested, when it was tested, uh, and each and every person by name who put their hands on that system and put it together for you. What other company on the planet does that? That's crazy to me. And this is a company building computers. PewDieSystems.com is the place to go check them out head on over there click the links in our description of today's episode and uh you know say mike sent you see if they give you anything cool you know um let's see also supporting the show let's let's change gears and let's talk about filmmaking right let's talk about what kind of camera you're using these days gina and i are very impressed with the fuji film uh digital cameras right now so she just shot a set with the GFX 100S and uh, we were going through the photos last night. We paired that camera up with our other sponsor, the Photo Deox folks. These are people that build these amazing lens adapters. So we were able to take her GFX 100S, which is a large format camera, and we were able to strap her Mamiya, old school Mamiya lenses onto this brand new camera back. And what we were noticing when she was going through uh, the edit program yesterday with it, is we got this like very super creamy vintage vibe because we were using the combination of these th this new Fujifilm, because the color profile on these Fujifilm cameras is amazing. Let's just say that. But then the combination of this old glass and I've said this a hundred times, glass is the most important part of filmmaking as far as the visuals are concerned. It's all about how the light is getting translated down onto the chip. 
right? So it isn't necessarily the chip. This, the chip is what is capturing all that information. And depending upon how the chip is built, depending upon how its color profile is set, uh, that all of that is incredibly important. Um, and also the size of the chip and the throw between the lens and the chip will give you different types of depth of field, larger images, all that stuff is really important. But we put a lot of fucking weight into that. And I don't think that is the deal, man. I think the deal is the glass. How is this light that is bouncing off an actor and being sent back into this camera, how is that uh, diffusing through the lens? And what we were noticing with the Mamiya lens is, is that there were all these like beautiful levels of detail in the midtones, this creaminess that happened with the midtones that just instantly, when you look at it, not only did it feel vintage, but it also felt so fucking professional, raw, without anything done to it. And this is us like, let me try to give you a light setup. We were using an Aperture 1200 daylight put through a five foot softbox, right? And because of the settings, right? We were shooting on the GFX, we were shooting at an ISO 1200. Uh, the Mamiya lenses, because they're old school, uh, they have a low f-stop of a four, four, five. Okay, so you start doing the math. Then the subject's going to be moving. We have a fan that's going to be blowing her hair. So we have to be running shutter speed above 100. So we were at about 200, 250 shutter speed. Okay. Then with the adapter, we're losing a little bit of light because the adapter pulls the Mamiya further away from the camera, which also enables it to have macro focus, which is super fucking cool. Because most of the time with those lenses, you have to be at least three, four feet away from the lens. And so now the lens can be right up on the actress's face because we have macro focus. I'm trying to explain this in as much layman terms as I can, because I know a lot of you listening to the show don't really work with photography. There are all these subtle details when you're choosing a lens, you're choosing a camera that impact everything else, right? Because it always starts with, in my mind, the lens when you're shooting, how much light comes through it. What does it do? And the reason why we went with Fujifilm was because we really like the level of quality that that camera has at a higher ISO. So the grain when you're pushing it is a lot smaller and more manageable in post-production. Now, normally when we're shooting on film stocks, the most that you're putting in one of those cameras, like a, a medium format is maybe 400, maybe 800. And the combination of how uh, high the f-stop is on the lens, like a 4.5 doesn't let a lot of light through, right? And let me try to break this down even further. And I don't mind going on this tangent. Go for the ride with me. For those of you who don't use lenses and cameras, your iris, how wide your iris opens when you throw that shutter is how much light is let into the sensor or film, right? And so a lot of the newer lenses on the marketplace right now will open up pretty fucking wide. And it's weird how the number system works on them. The lower the number, the wider the iris opens on it. So I've got lenses. I've got a Fujifilm lens that is amazing. It's a 50 millimeter and it's like a 1.4. It's a 1.4, 1.8, which means that fucker opens really wide, which lets in a lot of light, which means you don't need to have a lot of light to be able to get an exposure. 
these old Mamiya lenses only open up to four, four, five. So how many stops of light is that? It's pretty ridiculous, right? So at this point, we're running the largest light unit that I have, which is that Aperture 1200, and I'm cranking that thing. I would say that thing's at 75%, right? Output on it, at least 75, sometimes 95% output. And the actress is about two feet, three feet away from the light itself. And we're getting this beautiful, slightly overexposed, maybe a stop overexposed, highlights this creaminess that when you see these raw images and i'll be sure to link them when they get posted for and follow gina manning and i'll put her links in the description what is gina's she, she's gonna fucking hate me what is hold on a second <laughs> i just sorry I, I shouldn't have checked my texts at the same time this is the longest fucking ad read ever <laughs> So it's Gina underscore, it's Gina underscore Gisela. So that's Gina underscore uh, G-I-Z-E-L-L-A. Make sure you follow her on Instagram because you'll be able to see these images when they go up. You'll be able to see all this work. I can't say enough great things about the combination of working with Fujifilm's digital cameras and Photo Deox's um, lens adapters. It's what is creating our look right now and it's epic. So if you guys want to know more about that, the links are in the description of this episode. I highly suggest you combine them. And if you're using a Photo Deox adapter on any of your cameras and you get a PL mount adapter, that means you can go to cinema lenses. Now, cinema lenses cost a lot of fucking money. PL mount adapters are essentially what you need to be able to put anamorphics on your small camera. Go to your local rental house to get that stuff. Are you guys... Have you guys took, have you taken my advice? Have you set up relationships with your local rental house? I have a great relationship with my guy. That's why I just got distracted because I was checking my text because tomorrow morning I am headed down to Boca Rentals here in Los Angeles. I will be in their shop tomorrow morning. I'm recording this on the 2nd of March, so it doesn't make a difference to you guys by the time this comes out, Michael. Uh, but I will be down there at the shop checking out my camera package for the shoot this weekend. We are getting an Airy Mini LF. I am getting my hands on some sweet follow focus rigs. Um, and uh, what else are we getting? We're getting some diopters and I am putting um, the Atlas Orion series anamorphics on my camera. I'm super fucking excited. I'm going down there with Travis, my camera operator. Tomorrow, noon, I will be down at Boca Rentals. This is my favorite place to rent in Los Angeles. These guys give a shit about young filmmakers. They give a shit about young cinematographers. They really are in the business of setting up relationships. Okay? So if you're a young filmmaker in LA and you're looking for the right rental house, there's a lot of them out here and a lot of them are fucking dinosaurs. Okay? Try out Boca Rentals. Right now, go to BocaRentals.com or go to Boca Rentals on Instagram. There it is. Let's get back to the show.
it's rad. I don't know if you sent me this album. I have to hear this album. And um, I, dude, I want one of these vinyls. <laughs> oh, dude. It is, it is a cool piece. It is a cool addition to the collection. One of my favorite things, and I've, uh, the audience is tired of hearing me say this shit, but I got, <laughs> my girlfriend bought me a record player right before the pandemic. And prior to that, when I was a kid, I used to work in music stores, and that's what I did for like my teen years until like right mm -hmm. before i think 19 or 20 was the last year um <clears throat> and i used to love that man i would love you know selling cds getting cds meeting a and r reps that's kind of why i got into the music video world ultimately is because of working in a music store for so long and loving it um and there hit this sort of period of time especially with the rise of spotify where um i kind of lost interest in music and it was a there was a whole period of time where i'm like i don't i don't know where to go to find new music um I, I don't go to record stores i don't go to music stores anymore and then what am i just subscribing to playlists and then randomly listening to artists that shuffle through like you know the chill playlist on fucking spotify it's like i've mm -hmm. got zero connection in these folks um and you know thankfully my girl gina she was like I bought your record player. And it, the, the the best part of that was that now I got to go back to the record stores and go back out there and talk to people and have people suggest things. And then we'll do parties or we'll do events and we'll have people around and I'll get on the record player. And I love pulling out stuff from this genre because it, it always lightens up the room. Everybody goes, what the fuck is this? And they all, they always <laughs> turn and look. And then the artwork on any of this stuff is just fucking fantastic. And th this is a great example of a beautiful art. And the reason why to get vinyls is because the attention, the detail to the design of this is really fucking cool, dude. Thank you very much, man. And yeah, you, you got it, man. I got you, got you a copy. I'll put one aside for you for sure. And yeah, the man. <laughs> I, I, and I know, I know what you mean as far as like, I don't know, something about playing a record and, um, just like you makes you kind of want to listen to the whole thing instead yep. of just like having your ADHD kick in and just skip songs. Like, you know, like, Oh, I've listened to this already. I've, I've heard enough of this or, you know, I don't want to listen to the song. You like, you have to physically go up and, you know, take that needle off and then like place it and it's kind of a pain in the ass if you want to switch your song. So you just kind of like, for me, I just kind of listen to the whole, usually, usually the whole record and, yes. um, and yes, also dude. like having the, you know, tangible product in your hand is also, it's not like that is still like a thing that is appreciated. Um, because people still want to hold something and like, like, okay, this is a piece of art and I am, I own it and it makes me feel good. And, you know, well, you get immersed. You like when you have these big foldouts. Like I'm looking at this thumbnail, and I would have just sort of breezed over the thumbnail because there's like just on the website alone, there's probably on this single page forty different types of thumbnails, and so you see it in this lineup, and you go, "Okay, it's another digital thumbnail." It really doesn't register with you, but when mm -hmm. you actually have it and you open it and you smell it and you feel it, and I know if those of you listening to the show, I know it sounds like I'm constantly pushing this. It's not a hipster thing. It's an it's like an experiential thing. And if you really want to <clears throat> if you really want to experience the music you love or a whole new scene of music that you want to get lost in, like if you guys listening are new to this this movement and sort of the synthwave sound, collecting vinyls is a great way to be to feel special when you listen to this stuff. It like 
I, dude, I don't invite people over in my house for beers and to sit around and listen to Spotify. I will invite people to my house for beers and sit around and we'll play vinyls all night. And that experience is a lot more immersive and fun, you know? Oh, yeah. I I totally approve that endorsement, man. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I know what it's, I know what it's, you know, I have several records myself and um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how it was, it was very, very, very fun to make a record, like a physical record, but oh my God, was it a pain in the ass to make a record? Okay. okay. Why was it a pain in the ass? <laughs> Um, well, a lot of people, I learned a lot of people want to make records right now. And it, it also at that time, so your lead times are just insanity. Like there, I think I waited an additional four months to get mine finally pressed. I wanted to go with a, a pressing plant here in the United States. So I went with new, new Orleans record press. Um, I previously, you know, they press uh, lost formats for me, um, which, uh, was released by another one of my friends, uh, Matt, um, a, a few, several years ago. Um, mm -hmm. but then I was like, okay, well this guy, they get, did a great job with lost format. Somebody, you know, use them for, for this record. And I mean, they did at the end, ultimately they did do a great job, but I was like, you know, I used the, my pre-order money cause I got a good amount of pre-orders to put towards the record. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well we're looking at like three or four months. Okay, I'm getting it's getting into four and five months. I'm starting to get the the Haiti. I was like, where the hell's my record at? Where the hell's my record at? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I paid good money for this record, and I'm like, it's coming. Like, you just have to be patient. I'm really not fucking with you on this. <laughs> so, uh, I ordered the records in May. I don't think I got them till November. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and I'm just like pulling my hair out. And then I came, the, I was like, all right, I have to box up like 150 records right now. And <laughs> like, there's like 70 international shipments. I'm like, oh my God, oh it, my was a, God. it was a nightmare, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I did it and I experienced it and I kind of know like, like not to bite off more than I can chew uh, if I would yeah. do another record. But uh, my God, yeah, just proceed with caution for those of you that are thinking about making a record um and i would recommend um a company called uh, actually duplication uh, ca it's out of canada mm -hmm. they're a little bit more efficient um with their their process um but not no yeah, no dude. not bashing new orleans record press or anything but i've had uh some i heard a lot of people have luck with duplication i've actually used those from uh, them for my cassettes and they're spot on with those yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I feel your pain, man, because when I got started in this world, I back in the day, I would sell my own DVDs. I had like, I did like this Grindhouse series and I was selling Grindhouse DVDs and I've sold shirts and merch. And uh, I've done the, the, you know, box them up and ship them and go to the fucking post office every day and send the shit out. Mm. It's a lot of oh, fucking yeah. work, man. It's a lot yeah. of fucking work. Yeah, you know my pain. Yeah, yeah I, I, the, let's just put it this way: the post lady over at the um, post office room near where my studio, she, we got to know each other real well. <laughs> and and I and I, you know, she she was very nice, and I and I'm thankful that because there's people you come in with like you know a stack of stuff, and they're like, oh my yes. god, like, I hate my life, and now I hate it worse <laughs> because of you. <laughs> and it's all international. You have to fill out the international paperwork Ooh. for all the packages. <laughs> Well, if you do USPS, um, you can do it online. Like you could just kind of uh, do it, you know, 
just type Smart. it all out and, and print the label and pay for it there and then they just scan it but that whole process takes forever too you know and they they, they gouge you so hard on, yeah, on international shipping it's like 33 dollars or something to ship something to another yeah. country right now and if a record yeah, yeah i mean it's for freaking those- insane for those listening that were trying to buy t-shirts from me, I just did a whole t-shirt run and I teamed up with this great company that uh, would uh, print the shirts and ship the shirts for me, which was nice, but it was also a pre-order deal. And so uh, that way, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't understand that are listening to the show, whenever you see a pre-order, it essentially means that I don't want to front the cash for the shirts. And so I'm not going to randomly order a bunch of different sizes for you guys and we're going to do a pre-order. So you guys go through, you order all the stuff. It takes a little bit longer to get shipped, but then it doesn't come out of my, you know, my rent money. <laughs> and and then we, we could ship it. But international is such a pain in the fucking ass that we weren't doing. We only did Canada, I think, for us. Uh, oh maybe yeah, UK, yeah. But it's, Even it's a pain can- Canada's a yeah. They they charge you so much. Just crazy. It's like it's right. like only it's like a very like minuscule amount cheaper like to go to Canada if, or if you want to go to like the UK or Australia or something. It's like maybe a couple bucks cheaper. It's makes no it's sense. Crazy. It's we're not crazy, going over yeah. any water here. We're just going we're just going a little bit north. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a big thing, and uh, we, a lot of people don't talk about that. Musicians and stuff don't actually get into the nitty gritty of it, but merch, and especially if you're like a touring musician, merch is or was a big part of your income. I think now it's kind of shitty. We talked about it a little bit on one of the episodes, but a lot of the venues are taking percentages of fucking merch now from band from bands, which is kind of bullshit. Oh, uh, that's so uh, that's lame. I mean, that yeah. should be you should when when you book a show, it should be a negotiated fee and like, all right, you know, or if they want to do like 5% or something just to, ha- or to have somebody help sell your merch or whatever, I guess that's fine. But yeah, merch right. is really, um, it, you know, like if you need extra money on the road, that's where you're getting it. Like if you need to eat, you need to buy more gas, you need to buy a hotel room, you know, you see like a little trinket or a record or something you want to buy on the road. Yeah, it's probably coming out of your merch fund. Yep. Um, so, it, I mean, I, I just toured, um, what, last year in June with uh, parallels and um, uh, a couple of couple of different guys um, colors and um, cool yeah um, yeah it, like that's real really we really relied on merch and um, shout out to Holly and um, Brad in Florence by the way miss you guys they're out in LA too <laughs> they live <laughs> they live over in Long Beach um, which which Very are cool. you from by the way? I'm up in Glendale, so I'm on the Glendale. east, the east side, which I love. It's uh, it's actually really fun, dude. It's it's the more chill version of it. I, like I spent a lot of time last week on the west side, and it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Not only is it zombie town, it's like you're you're either in zombie town with the homeless, or you're in zombie town with the rich. <laughs> it's just like right. two, two different angles of like crazies. You're like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, the most, the craziest thing I think I had ever seen out there was like like my first time I was ever in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And this this was, I don't know, probably 2017. I went out there. It was like one of my first shows um, as, as Betamax. I only started doing shows in like, I think, 17. Mm-hmm. And it was like, 
it's just like one corner, you know, you literally have skid row, you know, there's just people lined up to support people, you know, like there's, you know, obviously are homeless. There's needles and piles of human like waste on the ground. You're walking around and then the literal next block over, they're rolling out a red carpet party with millionaires. And it's just like, that is just the weirdest shit I'd ever seen. I'm from the East coast. So I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Me too. Uh, originally, dude. Yeah. 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 Where, are you, where are you from uh, originally? Uh, Boston. So Boston, oh, Boston you're, you're, you're up. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, that's about as East coast as it gets <laughs> yeah, all the way, dude, all the way. <laughs> you it's know? cold up there. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, I've been to Boston once. It was, it was, uh, it was a cool experience. Um, I got to go to the cheers bar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, downtown. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boston used to be really cool, and then it got yuppified. You know, and so oh, all yeah. of you East Coast Boston listeners right now, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody <laughs> that works in that city can no longer th- live in that city because they can't afford to. So you go down to your barber shop, and you have to wait for your barber to drive an hour and a half to get into the city because he can't. Li- he literally cannot afford to live in the neighborhood that a shop is in anymore. It's. Uh, yeah. It's ridiculous. The real estate in this country is out of fucking control. Um, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, dude. But um, yeah, it's weird out here, man. Like Mm -hmm. we were just saying that the other day we were in West Hollywood and we're, we're driving down what seemed like a really dangerous street. Like we're driving down the street and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, obviously (laughs) there's tarp encampments everywhere. And then, you just have the sense of desperation. There's just desperation all over this place. And desperation is dangerous because, you know, my friend's car just got broken into recently and all his shit got stolen out of it. It's it's the world that we're in. I mean, they're literally stealing catalytic converters off of (laughs) hybrid vehicles right now because they make a ton of money uh, selling that shit. So the The last two things you've mentioned have happened to me. Like really? literally, oh yeah, yeah. The second time I was in San Francisco, my car got broken into, laptop yep. got stolen. I didn't know because I'm, like I said, I'm from I'm from a different area. Like I didn't really know, and people were kind of criticizing me, like you should, like only an idiot would do that. And I was like, well, I was just running into the venue to get my money, um, yeah, right. in right. San Fran. And I come out and then my window shatter and they, thank God they didn't take my synthesizer. Like that was like, that's like $3,000. They couldn't get it wedged from out in the, tr- we had it between like the trunk, like where the ski thing is. So this they couldn't exactly, get to it. Exactly and, what happened to my friend. Yeah. Keep going. Exactly. And then the um, he, here at home, uh, my one job is in a really bad area in, in Ohio. I live like really close to Ohio and um, the, crackheads that live over there they jumped our barbed wire fence and zip sawed a a, one of our catalytic converters on our work trucks um in the middle of like winter and it's like like the desperation is just uh, like out of hand man it's crazy and that that happened here so you know it's 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 it's, it's happening everywhere you know seems like it well, I mean, the disparity of wealth is massive, and the, when you when you get into an area like Los Angeles, you just see it. You see it. Like we mm-hmm. saw this woman walking down the street, literally looks like she's dressed to go to the Emmys. Like she's just mm-hmm. in this gown, and I'm like, look at her dress to walk down the puke runway that she's walking down right now. Like they, it's <laughs> the disparity of wealth is just astronomical, 
and it, you 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 see it here in Los Angeles. It's like the mix of the people that cut your lawn with the people that don't even look at them that that pay like uh, you know bullshit money for it. It, it it's crazy, man. <clears throat> and. It, it, I was gonna say, plus you guys have like the craziest tax rate I've ever seen. Uh, you guys have yes. the highest in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean that's a big reason why a lot of the wealthy are, are bailing, and a lot of them are are, are running down to uh, Texas. A lot of them are mm-hmm. going down to like Austin because it has the best tax rates. So if you're someone that's making over a million year and you want to yeah. keep half of that, then you're headed out. You're headed down to Texas and shit. It's crazy, man. It's just, yeah, the world we live in, man. It's you know, I sound like a like a boomer or something saying that, but you know, it's just it's wild, man. It's, I never thought it could, would be like this, or, or you know, things would go down this way, and yeah, it's just crazy, man. And we're living in, we're living through very interesting times. Definitely interesting yeah. point in history for sure. Yeah, <clears> man, <throat> it is. It's fascinating, and it's you know. There's a whole side tangent that I could, you know, go down, and I'm not educated enough to get on it. But <laughs> me either. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I'll admit it's, that freely. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. not a scientist. Uh, I'm not a politician. <laughs> you know, I just, I just see what's happening around me and make an assessment really, and try to That's, either do something about it or forget about it. I guess. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. And like looking at what, as a culture, what our priorities are. And as a culture, what we're all striving to do, which whether you're talking about someone trying to become an influencer or you're talking about someone trying to finance a film, or if you're talking about it, like anybody, all people want to do is be a millionaire. All people want to do is be a Kardashian. And so they're right. pushing really hard. They're, they're, they're stealing, they're scraping. Anytime I see someone that's got boatloads of cash and you see some of these houses out here that are like, like fortresses. You're like mm-hmm. that motherfucker stole money from somebody. Like, there's no way. There's no oh yeah, way. He's, he conned his way. Yeah, he conned that out of somebody. I'm sure. That's a fucking. That's the people. top of a. That's the top of a pyramid scheme somewhere. That's what that is. Like, there's there's no way you can afford. Not just to mention, not to mention the the price of the house. The price tag on the house. Houses out here go for like easy forty seven million, a hundred and thirty million dollars. For a fucking home in the hills. Uh, 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 oh, just, yeah. Dude, just the fucking tax, the property tax alone on that. <laughs> at, at, uh, at 2% or 3%, you're just like, you, you you have to be making millions a year just to have the house pay property tax. On it. Oh, yeah. Insane. Yeah. It's like, you, you almost like, ha- I, yeah, I don't even know how people afford it, man, unless they're conning somebody out of money. Yeah. And it seems like a very, very small percentage of people that are, you know, can even consider moving to that to that particular area. It's like, I don't know, like, yep. I, I think even just like a small family home is like getting up into the million dollar range, isn't it? Over Dude, there? there's a house. I mean, I'm not going to say where I, exactly where I am, but the house across mm-hmm. the street from me, which was like a shithole, which was a, a shitty house, went for like a million and a half. And you're just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's insane, man. Are you kidding uh, me? It, it's everywhere <laughs> in this country right now, especially like back in Boston. I, I've talked about it on the show a couple of times, but you know, that's where my parents, like I was living in the neighborhood that my parents met each other in, they grew up in. That's where my grandparents met each other. My mm-hmm. grandmother was born in this house and we were on the hunt for a new apartment and you're renting in Boston and Boston's real estate's really tough because it's all colleges. And so you have 
these very wealthy college kids with parents that'll toss whatever. They'll be like, oh, three and a half grand a month, no big deal. They'll throw it down. And so when you're mm -hmm. in the market to look for a place to rent in a city like that, you're like, I had a real estate agent walk me into the house that my grandmother was born in that was built, you know, early 1900s prior to that, right? And mm -hmm. it hadn't been changed. Like I would walk up the stairs and my feet would go to the fucking floorboards on the <laughs> stairs. And, and I'm like, what are you asking for here? He's like 3,500 a month. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is where this is where my lineage was started is in this house and it's your $3,500 a month for this and he's like well they'll pay it and you're just like what the fuck and you're waiting for the bubble to burst on this and it hasn't yet and, it, and it's like how do you as anybody that is doing what we do right because right. you have to work multiple jobs in order to be an artist um, oh, I yeah. have to work multiple jobs in order to be a fucking artist like how, mm -hmm. like how the fuck can you afford on our salary that kind of money for rental? You you just can't. You, you can't. It's unless you know you have wealthy like a wealthy family or something or inheritance money. Like it's not happening. You have to like yeah. You have to subsidize it with other jobs and you know pray at the end of the day that you have some iota of energy to put forth into what you love to do. Um, you yeah. know, but, and then, and then you got to wake up and do it all over again. You have to go to work and, uh, like I'm, I'm not somebody that minds working. I love to work. Um, you know, I, it's just at this point right now, I've never worked more in my entire life just to really? try to keep my head up kind of above the water. And, um, you know, I'm kind of struggling, man. And, um, I mean, not, it's not like some sob, some sob story. I'm just giving you an no. idea of you know that i'm even here in like pittsburgh uh yeah that, uh, yeah things are just expensive as hell i don't have i'm not married i don't have kids i work two jobs i still don't have any fucking money and i do a music project so it's like <laughs> yeah I, i'm guaranteed people are feeling it out there it's not just it's not just you or i
man. Like it, it's important that we talk about that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, in order for you to do your art, you, you still have to eat. You still have to survive. Sure. And it just, it feels like, <clears throat> nah, this is dangerous, but it feels like, you know, a lot of the, mm, the uh, Silicon Valley fellows that are out there creating these apps and creating like Spotify and creating all these things really sort of demolished the opportunity for artists to really make income on this stuff. Like I, I, I still think it's fucking highway robbery. Uh, the amount of money that Spotify pays musicians, they need these musicians. They need this music in order to do it. And yeah, you know, it's something that, um, my good friend, uh, Sean, um, FM attack, uh, we've talked for hours and hours about, about how we hate the model of the way sort of streaming works. And it just really, really fucks the, you know, the, the artist in pretty much every way. Um, yeah. you know, and all you're trying to do is like, Oh God, I pray I get on a, on a curated playlist so I can, you know, maybe make a thousand dollars off this song or maybe, maybe a little more, but it's yeah it's just really it's shitty that's really going back to the merch thing yeah it's like that's like another like what thing like yeah merch is really important so if yeah if you guys you know buy merch or think about buying merch it's very it does mean a shitload to people that are creating just to kind of eat and get along you know but yeah, i could talk 100%. about the spotify fucking business model for hours and just get pissed and get my blood boiling <laughs> but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there <laughs> those that know uh, about it know 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 the struggle you know yeah i just bring it up i bring it up for the for the folks that listen to the show that don't even really think about it and i think sure. there's a misconception that the average citizen has where they're like uh no i listen to their stuff and they get paid man they get paid for for views they get paid for clicks it's like no, no. Like you, if you love mm-hmm. an artist and you love an act, buy their merch, buy their hard <laughs> stuff, buy the stuff that they put out, support them. And I, you know, the, like a, a lot of artists do. Um, do they still? It's not Kickstarter anymore. But what is the monthly thing that they do? Um, um, like a Patreon type situation. Like a, like a Patreon type situation. Even yeah, those guys I've seen, I've seen artists percentage. do that like a subscription type of deal and um even Bandcamp, you know like that's number one spot that we're going to get the most money out of anything f- going directly to us is Bandcamp. it, it always yeah. has been um so i would strongly encourage people to um venture venture over to like your favorite artist Bandcamp and support them in that way you can stream download get merch um you know st- stuff of that nature you can have a collection as well on there so yeah, I think it's important to talk about this stuff. It's you want to feel personally connected to these folks and take it from somebody that works with musicians. Like I remember when I first started doing music videos, and I I, I forget what band it was for. It was a Fear Factory? It was one of the larger bands, and I remember it was the first time I got invited <laughs> to go backstage and to go on their tour bus. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my God. And I grew up as a kid, like I'm sure you did, of a product of the 90s, where it was like, oh, yeah. you know, Guns N' Roses on MTV, the most expensive videos ever made. Like, and you're mm-hmm. just like, this is going to be like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. 
And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I remember stepping on that bus and people were playing like PlayStation 2 or whatever it was. And they're just <laughs> like, it's, they're nerding out and they're just hanging out. And I was like, where are the chicks? Like, where's all the booze? And it was just like, nah, man, I'm a vegan, bro. And it's like, <laughs> so like when you start to meet these people and you start to meet these musicians that you love so much, you realize that they are just like you. They are human beings and, and, uh, they are reliant upon uh, their merch funds. They're reliant upon money that goes directly into their pocket because one way or another, it, it just seems like over throughout history, musicians have, have been fucked one way or another, whether they were fucked by the labels or management, bad management, bad business management for some of the larger acts. And then, you know, not to mention like Live Nation and touring and like venues and and mm-hmm. all those places just just sucking cash out of creatives. And yeah, now it's it feels corp- like it's, it's corporations. That way with the I, it's definitely yeah. corporations and stuff. I mean, like Ticketmaster and Live Nation and just like a small group of very very wealthy people control all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's just like man, I just want to stick it to the man. I just don't like, I don't want to give them any more money. (laughs) It's just, I just, I hate, I hate the model. It just sucks. But I mean, I, I just try to look and look and look in a positive light. Like I'll still always, you know, I'll always love making music. Um, it's not really about money for me, like at this point, cause I do other shit, but, um, you know, I just, I love it and I'm not going to stop and the man's not going to stop me. And, um, yeah, fuck the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like, totally dude. And, you know, just be like, those of you listening, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm razzing everybody, but it's true. Just think, think about it because what'll happen is, and I've had this happen. I've loved bands that just disappear. They just no longer can do it no longer can afford to do it and they're gone and you're just like oh man what the fuck um support your art support your 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 favorite musician definitely and the easiest way to do that is to buy art and and vinyls are amazing and they're great art pieces that'll change your life and your experience with that and then t-shirts and merch i mean that stuff is so fucking helpful so that's the end of my rant on that but (laughs) keep that in mind. well i appreciate the reinforcement anyways yeah, dude. Because I, 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 like, I feel a sense of responsibility for that, right? Because we play your, sh- your music on the show. We try to get you a whole new audience of folks, and these people will write to me all the time and go, "Who's this artist? And what's this? And are they on Spotify? They are, but also go buy their shit." <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, oh, on any any support is is great, really, and um, you know. But yeah, if you go to their and every artist has like a preferred kind of uh, area or site or whatever that they you know they use so um but yeah spotify i mean yeah it does help but not really as, as much you know
Well, let's, to swap gears uh, as we sort of run into the end of the episode. So, how much? So, you said you did some touring. Mm-hmm. Um, are you planning to do more touring this year? Like, when are you guys coming to LA? That's the big question. That um, I, have. I, uh, I am going to do um, one off shows uh, for the time being. I learned a very valuable lesson touring, and it's that I'm getting old. And <laughs> I don't want old, but like, we did. Um, but in two weeks we played, I believe 10, I think we did 10 shows in two weeks, drove over 4,000 miles. We started in Long Beach and then we just went up North, hit like San Francisco, um, Portland, and then we got all the way up to Seattle and then we went all the way down to, um, Sacramento, um, Fresno, LA, and then we went all the way down to San Diego and then came back up to LA and that was our last show there. And it was just like, oh my God. Like, I think it took like, I think it took a decade off my life, man. It was just <laughs> living in a van. Well, we weren't living in a van. I mean, we, we, we got rooms and stuff. Like we were, we had like Holly from parallel set everything up in like a very, very like professional way. She did an awesome job. So we all had, a you know, we all had a place to sleep. Um, and That's uh, good. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like riding in a van, like for like that long, it's just mentally and physically very, very exhausting. So I just decided that if I do any to- quote unquote touring or traveling, it's just going to be like in a smaller capacity. Um, I did yeah. book a show. I booked a show um, in Tampa. It's coming up here pretty soon. It's um, uh, neon retro fest um, down in Tampa and, that's cool. Uh, that's that's going to be April 14th through the 16th. If anybody's down there or wants to travel, it's a very, very cool, very, very cool sort of like event that they curate. I played it whenever they did one in Rhode Island in 2018. And, um, you know, they, they have like basically a pop-up arcade. Like they had like a computer museum, tons cool. of sweet merch, all synthwave acts. Um, you know, they had like a panel that they did. It was just a very, uh, even, they even had the yacht rock lounge, which was pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm looking very much forward to, uh, doing that this year, um, uh, down in Tampa. So tickets are available at ne- at neon underscore FM on Instagram. You can find out, um, everything you need on there. So, but, That's uh, to, to close that off. Yeah. I don't, think i'm going to be really doing any any heavy touring um just but like i'm always down to do like one-off weekends you know like maybe mm-hmm. a few days stint or something like that and i would love yeah i'd love to come back out to la sometime i you know it's it's been yeah it'll be going on a year here in june so uh, i'd definitely come back yeah, out man well if you do i'll see you man i'll, I'll come see you yeah for man. sure come on out um, I am a big fan. I am a big fan of your music. I love being able to play your music on the show, and I will always be singing your praise. Because uh, <laughs> thank you, I man. I like what you're doing, brother. I really, I really appreciate it. And you're always welcome. Um, play whatever you want. And um, you know, if uh, you happen to know anybody that you know needs some music uh, for like film, TV, video games, like I'm more than happy to get into that type of work. That's actually my long-term goal. So. show in the can um great interview nick is a cool fucking dude um i have a lot of respect for the guy 
uh, because I, I know that he's working hard um, to stay, you know, <laughs> to working hard to stay afloat and to also be a musician at the same time. And I know I got a little preachy in this episode about supporting the artists. I, I just feel like I have to hit that nail on the head with you guys and girls. You you have to support these artists because we all, because of Instagram filtering, right? Because of like living your best life bullshit that we see on social media. We just assume that these people make a lot of money, right? They released a bunch of albums. They have really cool vinyls out there. These guys are doing fine. They're making a lot of cash. What well, were those vinyls pre-ordered? That's a big sign, right? If you go to buy something from any artist, and if there's a pre-order, if there's a pre-order involved, that means they're they're trying to protect their funds, man. That means that each T-shirt you buy, each vinyl you buy, each cassette tape you buy, any kind of merch you buy, actually means something, right? I mean, maybe in the '80s that kind of cash was going to a pile of coke on a table. It isn't doing that anymore. I mean, this is going to rent money. This is going to his gas money. This is, you know, like a since break. You know what I mean? So definitely, definitely support your favorite artist. And I get it, man. We all are on Spotify. But when you find like a really good Spotify playlist, and I've got a bunch, you guys can actually follow me on Spotify, by the way, to check out the playlist that I've put together. I think it's just Mike Petchy at Spotify. I don't even know how to find it. I definitely have links for it at inlovewiththeprocess.com. There you can listen to all my playlists that I put up from this genre and from the other genres that I really like. Uh, I, it's true. I am a, a, a bit of a music nerd and uh, not really a snob, right? That's a different kind of individual. I'm not, I'm not going to look down my nose at you for what you like, but I'm definitely trying to, to introduce a lot of new people to some new sounds. And hopefully... That's what this series is doing. And, uh, you know, when you find an artist on Spotify, go see if they have a band camp. And let me just give you an example here. So if I go to, if I go to Betamax Music, so it's Betamax with two X's, music.bandcamp.com. And I click on one of the albums that I really like. I can buy the full album here. And it's cheap, dude, $9.99. So I know there's a lot of you who are like, well, why would I buy a digital album? I can get it on Spotify. I can listen to it on Spotify anywhere I go. It's like donating 10 bucks to the artist and getting something from it. And the files that you're getting are at a better encoding. So they're a higher format. A lot of them are waves. Uh, sometimes they're high-end MP3s, but you want to get the waves because they sound better. Um, and the music just sounds better, especially if you're playing it on a better system or if you're playing it on your headphones. There's a lot of compression and shit that goes on when you listen to Spotify. It sounds a lot different. Um, and with some of the stuff, especially in the bass and the low end, you want to have those higher formats. Um, and then also, if you want some uh, like actual hard merch, I know he has, hopefully he's going to send it to me, that, that uh, Sarajevo album. He definitely has the vinyl up there, but he also has these really cool cassette tapes up there as well for that. Um, and then, which was the other one he was saying? Was it the science one? Nah, there's another one up here that has some vinyls. I'm just scrubbing through here right now. Maybe it's Lost, for Lost Formats. It's such a great... Yes, 
Betamax Lost Formats cassette version is up there as well. Ooh, looks like that sold out. And they had an LP for that. That sold out too. Whoa, man, I would have loved that one too. Um, keep your eye on this stuff. And if you are, you know, looking for new music, one of the websites that I frequent is uh, newretrowave.com. And uh, it's a really great website that uh, will have compilations for a from a lot of these acts. Um, and when I first started getting into the scene, that was a website that I would go to to find a lot of this music. All right. There you go. I'm going to let you guys go. I got a bunch of work. I got to prep for a shoot this weekend. So um, thanks for listening to the show. And as always, I will see you next Tuesday.